Welcome to the Paint, Rest, Repeat podcast with Roz Gervais and Laura Day, where we chat about our creative lives as artists while keeping it real and a little bit messy. We're here to inspire creatives just like you to push past those boundaries and make art that you love. Let's dive in. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Paint, Rest, Repeat. We have the amazing Emily Osmond here to talk to us about marketing for introverts, people who are wanting to get some more visibility and, you know, turn their art hobby into that sort of professional practice, professional business, so that they can make art that they know, make art that they love. I was going to say, Laura, (laughs) I was going to say, be paid to do what they love. How are you, Emily? Great. (laughs) I'm so good. And um, I was just saying I'm not in my normal home office. I'm down at, well, I'm up actually in New South Wales. I'm from Victoria, but I'm in New South Wales at my partner's family farm. And I'm sitting in the, what used to be a veranda, but it's been like built out into a spare bedroom. I'm looking out. There's very dry lawn actually. And yeah, so good to be able to do this from anywhere. Hey, there's still a nice setup where you are. Like that looks lovely. Yeah, it's nice wallpaper from, I don't know how long ago, but um, it's in my brand colour, so that helps. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm like, <laughs> it's got the blue, the brand colour. <laughs> I know you're probably thinking, oh, I'm going to be displaced. I'm not going to be in my normal environment, my branding, my background. <laughs> it's something that, you know, you probably think of as like a marketing. As a visual person. Yeah, yeah. Now, we invited Emily on today because Emily and Laura actually met a number of years ago and they're both from, you're both from the same place. You're both from Ballarat. Yeah. Did you grow up in Ballarat or you have a connection to Ballarat, Emily? So I actually grew up in England, in Oxford, but my mum is Australian. Dad dad was English and we moved back to mum's hometown of Ballarat when I was 13 and then went through school there. So yeah, it's kind of my second hometown. And I moved to Melbourne for uni and then moved back to Ballarat for a bit and then met my now fiance and he was living in Melbourne. So I moved back to Melbourne and um, it's where we are. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, it's been a while. Been engaged, I don't know, three or four years. <laughs> Still not married, but we'll do it one day. <laughs> <laughs> and you've got a little one as well. We do. Yeah. So he's uh, 14 months now. Oh, so sweet. Little child. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's a pretty fun age. But he's starting to get, I don't know, it's like he's already having toddler tantrums. Yeah, fun. Which is not fun. (laughs) (laughs) Keep breathing. It's all about the breathing exercises. That's my hot tip, Emily. Yes. Thank you. I'll take that one for I need all the tips, really. So (laughs) I just sort of shake my head, actually, at the last, you know, couple of years of being a mum. I'm like, yep. (laughs) How old are yours, Roz? They're a bit older now. They're six and eight. But we still have the tantrums and all of that jazz. So, yeah, breathing, breathing, breathing. (laughs) (laughs) Good things to look forward to, Emily. (laughs) We're just dropping in here to announce that we will be hosting an exciting live online workshop. Join us for Design Your Year 2024 where you can fine-tune your art goals and craft a plan for your most incredible year yet. We're hosting this workshop on Zoom, 10 a.m. AEDT, Saturday, the 10th of February, 2024. It's only 22 Australian dollars to attend and you also get the replay and a workbook. We just can't wait to have you join us for this super empowering event. Go to www.com 
permissiontopaint.co slash design your year to book your spot in the workshop. Woot woot, see you there. So we've got you on to, yeah, help us with our audience and maybe share some tips around marketing, becoming more confident, and I guess, you know, how they can turn their hobby Instagram or hobby social presence or online presence into a bit more of a professional artist and more of a business profile. So yeah, if you met someone and you started working with them and they were a creative person, they made this really beautiful art, they had a great practice, but they just didn't know where to start with promoting themselves online and promoting their work. What sort of shifts would you suggest to them starting out? Absolutely. The first one that comes to mind, and it sounds probably a little odd and maybe really obvious, but something that I find is a lot of artists and creatives will perhaps be starting to share their work, but it's not actually obvious that it is, that it's a business and that it's for sale. And I think it's maybe hard for them to realize that, but how I notice this because hopefully this will help, is if I'm looking at their profile and I'm just seeing maybe maybe they've written something on their social media that's like exploring with blue colors today or something, and there's a photo or a video of the art they're creating, that's great. But I don't actually know that that's something they're creating that's for sale. Is it something that's for sale? And Or they might have shared a photo of a piece of art that they have created and said something like, whatever they put in the caption, maybe I'm looking at your beautiful art behind you, Roz, and it's gorgeous florals. He might have said, I don't know, exploring florals. But what we don't know is someone that's just come suddenly come across your social media profile is, did you paint this one? Is this something that is for sale? And it's all these things that we are so close to our own work. And for artists, you're so close to your own art, but you can't let like make any assumptions about your audience. And even let's look at product shops just for perhaps artists to see this from a different lens is even people that run online stores, they might be sharing a photo of a product, but when they're just getting started and when they're just building up their profiles, like if they don't say, Hey, we've just had this new product come in store. It's available now on our website, head over and check it out. It comes in three different colors. For anyone that's just coming across your account and they're seeing this photo of a t-shirt and you've maybe just said, I don't know (laughs) what you've said about it, is is it not actually obvious that it's something that you stock and you can now, people can now buy? Does that kind of like make sense a little bit there? Yeah, totally. I can think of some posts that I've done myself (laughs) that I like that. So, okay, creatives, there's a whole mindset thing that we could totally like delve into and go down a rabbit hole on. Because sometimes verbalizing prices can be scary for people. And then also in terms of like the way that say Instagram works, for instance, do you make a sales post every post though? So if I'm like doing some like fluid ink and I've got this blue, beautiful blue, experimenting with blue, is every post referring them to a sale? Or like that's what I'm thinking about when you were talking about that. And I would say no. And I actually have, I've created my own little framework of what seems to work for me and for members and who I've worked with. In terms of covering four different bases, when it comes to the type of content you share, 
So the promotion side of things is just one of those categories talking about, hey, this is something that I have to sell. Here's how you can get it or here's what you can buy from me or here's, I think you both did a podcast around workshops. So even talking about and promoting the workshop, here's something you have coming up. Here's how you can check it out. But that's just one of them. Another one is looking at how you're giving value to your audience. Now, when it comes to artists, they might be thinking right now, well, I'm not like sharing tips. I'm not sharing advice. How am I meant to give value to my audience? But I see for artists, it is like mesmerizing and so interesting to see the process behind the work. So that might be something that you do. And I've sat and watched like (laughs) people that are ceramicists creating their amazing pieces on the wheel. And it's so mesmerizing and so interesting. I would just have no idea what goes into that. And that gives me value out of that interest and intrigue. So that's, that's the second one, looking at what's in it for your audience. Why would they follow you? For me and my business, I'm in the marketing space. So it makes sense to share some insights and some tips and advice around marketing and small business. But what about thinking about your audience and who your ideal customers are and what would be something that would be of interest or entertainment value or informative for them? And I really think there's an opportunity there to do that through showcasing your creative process and what that looks like. So that's the second one when it comes to the value. Now, the third one that I talk about is credibility. And I kind of look at this as you can just sprinkle it in there. doesn't have to be like a major focus, but I think that as small business owners, and I'm sure in your community being artists, we cannot be the best at boosting ourselves up and sharing the wins and sharing milestones and sharing achievements. And this might be things like sharing once you've been featured in the media. Well, for instance, this podcast I can share. I'm like delighted to have been asked to speak on this podcast. That's a little tick of credibility. Someone's asking me for my opinion. For artists, it might be showing the exhibitions that they maybe are starting to be featured in or media that they've been in, partnerships that they've done. And all of this is just about building that little bit of social proof and trust with their audience that helps show that they are like so amazing at what they do. And there's a weird thing when it comes to bias psychology is that we are like, we will trust, I think it's a stat, like, I don't know, we will trust 70% of, I should bring this up, but let's just run with it. We will trust like 70% of online opinions, even if we don't know that person. So seeing reviews, seeing recommendations, we're like, yes, that's so important. That's really powerful for me when it comes to buying, even if I don't know that person, which is why there's building up that sense of credibility and sharing perhaps some reviews, sharing some feedback, sharing where you've been basically endorsed by other brands or media can be really, really powerful. So the fourth one, we've looked at the the promotions, actually talking about what you sell and how people can buy it, the value, why someone should follow you, the credibility. So just like being okay with tooting your own horn a little bit and sharing the wins. And the fourth one is the connection piece. And this actually brings us back to, Laura, what you were saying, I think, around um, the mindset side and actually showing us as the humans behind our amazing creative businesses and small businesses. Now, do you have to do this to succeed? Not necessarily, but will it play a big role and could it help a lot? Yes, it definitely could. And when I talk about connection, it really is allowing your audience to feel a sense of relatability to you, of seeing that perhaps you share similar values. 
of seeing who you are beyond what you just do. And I think that, well, I know that as consumers, when we are buying non-essential items, so things that aren't necessarily groceries or toilet paper, but arguably this happens with those items too, is we want to buy from brands that we feel a sense of connection with. We feel that we share their values. And actually speaking of toilet paper, I buy from who gives a crap and get that get that delivered to my house because I actually do want to support a brand that I feel like is doing good and that I feel a sense of connection too. So we can go more into that one. I think that might be helpful, but that kind of rounds out the four different ones. When I say, look at trying to make most of your pieces of content tick off one of those categories. And that is really the underpinning of creating a content strategy that is working really hard for you and your business. So recently, Emily, inside my membership for artists, Art for the Hut, I was teaching a few different sort of content or pillar, content pillar ideas. And one of my artists had a really interesting suggestion. She was asking, could you have a platform like Instagram that is you only share connection posts and things and Facebook and you only share the, what do you call it, the promotional things? And then another one, you only share the credibility. I have my opinion on that. What do you think? And someone that says like anything can work. <laughs> I'm not someone that's like, you can, you definitely can't do that or you shouldn't do that. Like if the person wants to try it, give it a go. I would say though, if you are creating content anyway, you may as well weave through each of those across the different platforms. And depending on the platforms too, each one has its nuances in terms of what works best, whether you can share links on there. Maybe the who the audience on there is a little bit different across the platforms too. Things like TikTok, it is really predominantly video. So, but you can still across that platform cover those different content categories. So that artist could definitely give it a go. I think that they could see better results if they did the blend of the different types of posts, because they will most likely find that the engagement and the followers come for the value and the connection pieces. And then their sales and demand is built with the help of the credibility. And then of course, the promotion pieces across the platform. So that's why I look at a bit more of a rounded out approach there. I tend to agree with you. I think it's also interesting to think that certain art buyers are more likely to be on one platform. You know what I mean? Like they'll be a Facebook person or an Instagram person. They're not going to actually see everything because they're not in all those locations, you know? So you won't, one of those people will not see any of your credibility posts, for example. That is a very good point. Yeah. And if it's only, if I'm only seeing the connection posts, like I started this conversation with, I probably won't know you even sell anything. (laughs) This is true. Not going to be not going to be very helpful for the business. We haven't spoken specifically about Instagram. We've been talking primarily on different content pillars. Perhaps we can sort of shift into talking about the various platforms because it is always it's an eternal bugbear of artists. I tend to vibe generally quite positive and do what you can do sort of thing rather than focusing on the negative. But it is a bugbear of artists. The whole Instagram algorithm less reach now than ever before, grumble, grumble, grumble. So (laughs) what do you have to say on that? (laughs) Yeah, definitely. It's tricky. It really is. And I found that too over the years with reach not being what it used to be. And again, there are outliers and there are accounts that can do really well and grow really fast as well. But I also bring it back to when it comes to our businesses, how many followers we really need and how many people we really need to reach. And I think we can 
kind of forget about this or lose sight of this sometimes in terms of maybe thinking we need thousands of followers, we need tens of thousands of followers, we need more and more people to see our posts. But it's also about making sure we're doing the right and effective and strategic things with the views that we get. And we might need to be a little bit more strategic now to make sure that happens if we are seeing fewer people see our content. When it comes to Instagram, it can help to have different touch points on there. So your Instagram stories and your feed, making sure perhaps you're doing a combination of those can help. And I know you had Tash Corbin on the podcast, which was excellent and talking about using social media, also grow your email list. And I'm a big proponent for that one too. In terms of you could only use social media, there's going to be people that succeed with just social media, but it's a great idea to also have an email list that you can be connecting with and nurturing with on there as well. So yes, it's not necessarily easy. Yes, there's challenges when it comes to reach, but I think that don't lose sight of who your ideal client is, who your customer is, speaking to them, looking at, wow, I am reaching a hundred people. That's like a hundred potential customers right there. What am I doing with that visibility? What do I want? What action do I want them to take? And keeping that in mind too. If some artists have already made a few little art sales and how could they utilize like the people, the customers that they already have to boost credibility? Like one of the content pillars, like what ideas do you have for that? Yeah, absolutely. Great question. So that's when you can look at having perhaps some testimonials, some feedback, some reviews from your existing customers and clients. Now, something that I recommend doing is having this as part of a process that's automated, if and when you can, so that when you do make a sale, to then be having perhaps an email that is automated or it's part of the, when someone has checked out a new website, to then ask for a review or ask for some sort of feedback. And that will depend on what type of sale it was. Perhaps if it's a commission type of piece, you might want to actually send a little survey and ask for a few responses to different questions. Perhaps your focus at that moment is building your Google business profile. So you might want to direct people to leave a review on there. But having that as part of the process can be really handy because I know that it can slip off our radar and we can forget to do it or we feel uncomfortable doing it. We don't want to pester people. So that can be really handy. And then when we do capture that feedback, that is like you mentioned, Laura, using that as your credibility, then sharing that on your platforms. And it's just that kind of little proof point to the rest of your audience that you are so amazing and they can be feel safe to go ahead and buy from you. Here's an experience that someone else has had. Here's a review or a recommendation for the experience. I love that. And I think also for our listeners who haven't had art sales yet, they can ask people for their thoughts on their artworks or even just go through social media, messages from friends even, to look for honest words about their art and then use that. Do you think that's okay? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's absolutely fine. And they might be doing things that lower cost than they're going to be, or they might be doing things that are their gifting, but even just taking some of that feedback, which I'm sure will be super genuine and lovely and starting to share that one as they build up their business. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, some of our audience are in those earlier days and they're just trying to get started and to build up. And those words, you know, They mean so much to you, like as artists, when you get received that feedback from other people. So share it with the world and it will mean a lot to those people as well watching on your social media. Yeah, absolutely. Emily, can we talk on the confidence piece a bit more? 
So I'm just interjecting momentarily as well because you're a bit of an introvert. You would call yourself an introvert. Yeah. So this will be really interesting for a lot of our, in, our of a lot of our listeners. My words are not very good today. <laughs> get more coffee in. Get more coffee in. <laughs> What's the word? Like classify myself as an introvert. Definitely. I love doing this type of thing. I actually love now. Didn't used to. Oh my gosh. Worst thing ever speaking at events, which people probably find very surprising. But if I was an attendee at a big event, I find that really overwhelming. And um, if I'm around people for long periods, I have to go like recluse and be alone. And then when I look at my members and my clients, a lot of them are pretty similar when it comes to their personality types. But I would also say whether people are extroverts or introverts, I have found it doesn't really matter. Both can have that fear when it comes to their visibility online. I think of someone just recently that was at my retreat and I get them to do fill in their personality type so I can do a little bit of research on what they might find challenging with their business based on their personality. And if I think of one of the ladies there, she is an extrovert, but just getting started with her own business, really intimidating, putting herself out there online. She did one of her first posts, one of her first reels at the retreat and really fed off that energy and that encouragement from the rest of us which we don't get when we're working at home and artists don't necessarily have, unless they're part of something like your membership by the sounds of it, Ros, that community around them to have that support and that encouragement to just go and get things out there. When it comes to that confidence, I know a lot of the people that I've worked with perhaps have had a corporate background and it's very different moving from being an employee that is your actions and almost like backed and protected by the company in a way, and you're not not necessarily putting yourself out there, or they might've had a bit of a career break and now they're coming back and instead of returning to work, they want to build their own business. Any way you go about it, it can be pretty intimidating in terms of putting your voice, putting your image, putting your opinions and putting as an artist, your own work out on into the public on your social media platforms. And I think there is no way to make that easier except for just starting to do it. There's a children's book that I really love and it kind of reminds me of this. It's We're Going on a Bear Hunt and it talks about you can't go over it, you can't go under it, you have to go through it. And I really think this is the case when it comes to building our confidence just got to start stepping forward. And I recommend for people, perhaps it's starting with sharing just a photo of you. That might feel really intimidating and really scary, but getting started with that. And you will likely find that you have such a positive response that people are like, oh, it's so nice to see who's behind the brand when all we've seen so far is just photos of your work. Like so lovely to actually see who is behind this. And then maybe if you wanted to, you could tiptoe forward into sharing a little video of you perhaps creating your art or video of you speaking to your Instagram stories or to your Instagram reels or TikTok, whatever platform you might be on. And you will likely find that that is the type of content that really gets great reach and great engagement because our audience love to see that reality of who is behind the business. And your art is unique, yes. But what makes your business unique is you as a business owner and your own your own opinions and perspectives and experiences. And that's why I really try and encourage people that even though that is the scary stuff to share, it is the stuff that's going to set your brand apart. 
And I think that there can be that real fear of the faceless people out there. And until we start sharing is we can then discover maybe it's not so scary after all. And maybe there's loads of positive feedback and encouragement and genuine connection that is there to be had. And also, yes, there are people that have opinions that maybe we don't want to hear. And maybe sometimes they'll be helpful and maybe sometimes they'll just be kids. <laughs> I just love this because I think, you know, often the fear, you know, the fear, psychological fear, the mindset sort of fears, all those things that go on inside your head are way bigger than the reality because, you know, look, something's going to change probably in the next year. But like from the very first time I shared anything on socials, I had that fear, yes, but not like in four years of sharing on socials, I've never had a single negative comment about anything that I have ever shared. Nothing. And Laurie's saying that she's the same. So I think, you know, I think we, I don't know why, do we manufacture these fears to hold our, ourselves back, to sort of play small, um, to play it safe? Like, is that what's going on? Are you also a psychologist? Is my No, cannot <laughs> diagnose that one. <laughs> but, you know, anecdotally, things that I have heard, and perhaps I don't know if either of you felt this way, so you've got your own experiences to share, but it can be in terms of if you were in a workplace and you're like, well, my old like colleagues are going to be seeing what I'm sharing. Like, what are they going to think of me? This is this other side to me. What are they going to say? Maybe it's the people closest to you that you're a little worried about. You're like, oh my gosh, my like, my kids are going to, like, I remember one of my members was so like worried about what her teenage daughters were going to think. So it can be, it can be genuine kind of concern. Like, I don't want to embarrass them or what are they going to say? But I just try and remind people that you're not like, they're not your clients and you're not doing your social media content for them. So as much as you can put that aside, focus on speaking to, like narrow in on one person, like actual person. I find that really helpful. So instead of thinking of, okay, I'm going to speak to like my 1,000 or 10,000 or whatever followers, let me just try and think of either that person I know that I would love to buy my art or that previous client that has purchased my art that I would, that I love. And I would love to work with that person more. I'd love to serve more of that particular type of customer. And I find that really helpful because then I can speak more specifically as well to what I know they might be finding challenging with their marketing or they might be finding something that they're really wanting, but not sure how to get there. So I find kind of instead of seeing it as this sea of faceless people, thinking about, okay, if you just like write this post with one person in mind, either an ideal client that you can think of or favorite client that you've had, I find that can be really helpful too, to just let go a little bit of that fear. I'm sitting here thinking that everything you're saying is amazing. And I'm wanting to just clarify, you have your own podcast, right? I do. Yes. What do you call so our listeners can go and have a listen? Uh, thank you. Uh, so it's just my name, The Emily Osmond Show. Beautiful. So if you'd like to learn more from Emily about all of this like amazingness, by the way, this isn't a wrap up. I'm just like just dropping this in in the middle of the conversation. Go and check out Emily's podcast as well. Oh, thank you. I liked when you were talking, just circling back to when you were talking about at your retreats and how you get your attendees to do a personality type. Like I love all of this self-knowledge and business. Like I think that that has like been really helpful for me on my journey 
is knowing and understanding myself so much better and how I operate in the world. And then being able to look at what makes me unique and then sort of presenting that forward. So maybe expand on that aspect a little bit further. Yeah. So I'm sure that, or I make the assumption here that your ideal working day and working week would not look the same as Rose's. Would I be right? Yeah, probably. I don't have kids yet. So (laughs) that's a whole other element. Energy-wise. Energy-wise, yes. I have a different capacity to Roz. Roz can... I'm not sure it's called capacity, Laura. It's just like different level of crazy. Yeah, (laughs) no. But yes, I have... I just work in concentrated births. I usually just have my clients in on Monday and Tuesday. I have long, you know, periods and space in my calendar for rest and self-care and looking after myself, all that self-knowledge has come from having a chronic illness and realizing that I'm not able to uh, function if I am just hustling and grinding myself. So yes, I do structure my week probably very different to other people. (laughs) And even if we just look at the personality side of things there, I'm sure some things, or I make the assumption that some things that you love doing, Laura, maybe Roz doesn't. And just the reason that I say this is because we all are different. And I think it is really hard because of social media and because of prominent voices in certain industries. And of course, people like myself that uh, have our own podcast and, and share different things that we can maybe fall into the trap of thinking. And I, I fall into this trap too of thinking that there is one way to do things or we should do things in a certain way to succeed. And I have been there myself where I have thought that there was one way to do things. And if I just found that one way that you should do things, then I would succeed. But I know that I don't like to work in certain ways. And also my life right now doesn't allow for that, or I choose not to because I have a one-year-old. And so I'm not willing, and there's privilege in, absolute privilege in that, of saying I'm not going to be working full-time and really long days because I'm also caring for my child. And also I know my own preferences based on my personality of things that I enjoy doing. And so I love doing my retreats. And going there and having a few days there where we can delve into these, these topics and these discussions and hold that space and, and that type of thing. But for other people, they would just, that would be their worst nightmare. They wouldn't enjoy doing that. And so I think it's so critical for us to have that level of understanding of what we enjoy and what we like doing and always be bringing back our own business to that. Plus as well. So you have a chronic illness, Laura. What you have perhaps the capacity and ability to do is going to be different to someone else. And so we cannot be like our worst enemy when it comes to comparing to other people. I find it so interesting as well in terms of I think that there is a bit of a trend of people talking about building this business in I don't know, 10 hours a week or creating this. And I don't know, this is my lifestyle and I barely work at all. And I think that can make people feel really, really like they're doing something wrong because they're like, well, I do only have a few hours to work and I'm not creating something that looks really, really massive. But behind the scenes, it's not always what these people are maybe communicating on their social media. 
So I don't know. I'm a little bit jaded in a few certain areas that I've maybe <laughs> seen a bit more behind the scenes. But um, yeah, I think it's key for us to understand, okay, like do whatever personality test you like. I've done like the Maya Briggs and I find that one quite helpful as a starting point too. I'm an INFJ, so introverted, intuitive, feeling and judging. Judging. Oh no. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> no, I think it's either judging or what's the other? Uh, it probably is nicer. Sorry. I don't know anything about it. It's not, it's not in that way, um, but that's going to dictate what feels good to me. And when I try and do things in my business that aren't based on those things of my personality type, I just resist or I'll just sabotage or I'll just be unhappy. So I have to keep coming back to that. And then also looking at, well, what is reality and what is practical and what is doable and what do we actually, like, what are we willing to put in to our business at this current stage, knowing that that changes. And my business right now is at a different phase to pre-child. And in a few years, it's going to be at a different stage as well. And I really am practicing myself being nice to myself and knowing that that is okay. I have to respect myself and like myself and value myself. On that, our business and our art and our work is not who we are. It is just one of the things that we do. And it can be pretty intertwined in that though, I think in our own self-worth and our own sense of achievement and our own sense of value as well. Just like any job, isn't it? Because you do like to feel good at what you do, whatever it is that you choose as your career. You know, you do like to feel good at it. So yeah, it's a bit of a complex one, I reckon. So this has been such an awesome conversation, Emily. And I'm just thinking about those artists that are really wanting to step into professional practice and getting paid to do what they love. Can we have some maybe actionable tips Roz and I love sharing tips on this podcast and sort of think about like people from that beginner's perspective. How about we sort of on the back end of this conversation, really think about like what they can do once they finish listening to this podcast, what can they do to amp up their game and step into that entrepreneurial mindset and level up their social game? Yeah, absolutely. When it comes to art, as you would both know, Capturing that and being able to showcase that online. One thing that is really, really important is the lighting. And I've been chatting with one of the members in in my membership about her own content. She's just getting started and she's doing great stuff. But we were talking about that cover image. So she's doing video reels, but the cover image that she was sharing really didn't kind of like entice people. And so just making sure that you are giving your, your beautiful art the best chance of capturing that attention and hooking your audience to come in. So I would say like, try and prioritize that. Now you might find examples of art that has been photographed on Pinterest or on other Instagram accounts, or if you just search online and try and notice, okay, how have they taken that photo? What's the background there? Like you'll probably notice that it is nice and light that people can see it. So I would say that is going to have a massive role to play in professionalizing your social media and making sure that your art is being seen in the in the best possible way. Something else as well is looking at your insights when it comes to your social media and understanding, well, what has generated the most reach? What has generated the most engagement? And also understanding that there are certain posts that people may not even comment on, but, but they might go ahead and save it and click that little bookmark icon. 
So just having a bit of a delve in there and using those learnings to the, then direct the future content that you then prioritize and share too, so that you know you're doing the best possible thing as well. Something else is, and this is actually the starting point that I recommend people go to is like, if they really want to up level is understanding, well, what stats do they want to try and hit? What metrics do they want to try and reach? How many sales is it that they want to be making per week or month? I try, I like to go monthly, but you know, what is that number per month? And then what is your hypothesis if you don't have much data yet of perhaps how many email subscribers you need or how many inquiries you need to reach or how many markets you need to exhibit at or whatever the like main marketing channels and activities that particular artist is doing, but turning it into more of a formula and a plan versus a bit of a, I don't really know, this is a guessing game. So something that I have in my business is a tracker. And so I will actually track, okay, well, how many leads did I get? How many sales did I make? What did I do to get my business out there? Did I, well, I'll pop this in the tracker. I went on a podcast interview. Amazing. That's going to be helpful. So I try and encourage people to like get across those numbers in their business when it comes to their marketing. And then from there, you can make more informed decisions too. And you might realize, wow, every time I do get interviewed on a podcast and that episode comes out, I see a spike in followers or see a spike in website traffic. If I could then target, all right, let's try do one podcast episode a month. Then you start to have a bit more control over your business. And I think it becomes more a bit more of a powerful place to operate from. You feel perhaps that you have a little bit more control and that you have some influence over the growth of your business too. So I would say that that's pretty key. And it really informs all of the marketing that you do is having that sense of what goals you're setting and then what's your hypothesis to try and get there and then tracking from there. I love that. The goal setting is really important. So a lot of people are quite scared of goal setting because of the, again, the mindset piece, like managing the disappointment if they don't reach their goals. But if you don't actually set a goal, you're certainly not going to reach it. So it's sort of working out how to set goals for yourself that are realistic so that you can develop a positive relationship with goals. That's my take on it. And actually, just before I forget, Laura has a freebie. So if our listeners would like to go and grab Laura's goal setting guide, they can go and do that on her website. What's your take on that, Emily? The goal setting for people who are a little bit nervous to do that. I totally agree that that is like a really, it's an, it's an essential part of an art business. Oh yeah, it can totally be intimidating. Like if I don't set goals, then I can't fail them. So what I recommend doing is you might have a, a goal for your business 12 months from now. I would then encourage people, and this is kind of the process in my first module that I have in terms of take that big one-year goal and then break it down. Okay, what would be, it's like when you're looking at building your confidence on social media, that first step. So let's say you want to make, I don't know, 50 art sales a year. Instead of focusing on that number, perhaps it's going to work for you to think, right, in the next month, if I'm just getting my business going, I want to make one sale. And all of your efforts are going towards, cool, I just have to make one sale this month. Once you've achieved that, it might be right next month. I'm going to try to do three sales. And you build up from there. And the other thing is failing your goals doesn't mean anything about you as a person. It was just that process and that hypothesis perhaps that you had in terms of what you thought would work to get there. And all of us get this wrong and we're going to have things that we try that didn't work as well. So then we adjust. And I think a really key thing of this is that behind the success of a lot of business owners is just persisting. So not necessarily having, I don't know, massive wins, but just keeping going. 
when stuff didn't work. I often say that both Laura and I are too stubborn to fail. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I have determination, like I'm going to make it work. But also I have the philosophy that artists never retire. So we've got our whole life ahead of us to make this art thing work. I love that, Laura. And I have a similar philosophy. It's like I'm in this business and I'm going to be doing this for decades. And it will change the way that I do this business, the things that I have to offer. But I think that longer term approach, and it sounds like it works for you, maybe gives us that a bit more calmness when it comes to our business, knowing it's okay. It doesn't all have to happen next week or next month or even in the next year. I know I'm going to be doing this for a very long time. And so giving yourself that grace, even though I know it's like we all want so much to happen and we all have high expectations, but knowing you're in this for decades. I love it. I think that's part of being like having a business artist or not, where you are like, it's a personal brand. You are the brand and you're here to serve through whatever, you know, you're doing. And I think, yeah, that is, that's so connected to you. So it's obviously going to last your entire lifespan. Oh my gosh, all the magic we can do guys, all the magic. So the goal setting tips were amazing along with the extra tips, the actionable tips for lighting, photo composition and insights on Instagram. Just a quick tip on lighting. What would you suggest to improve your lighting, like actual products? Yeah. So really simply is if you're propped your art up somewhere, try and just get that with the like light of a window facing it, if that makes sense. Just that natural light is going to do wonders to really showcase that art, not direct bright light, but getting it out of a really dark space is going to help it be seen. Yeah. And then artificial lights and things like, you know, when you're talking face to camera, like would you suggest going to Kmart to get a ring light or something like that? If you can find even just a window, that's always like such good light to stand in front of it. I have also a ring light that is helpful too, especially when I'm using my laptop. I don't have it on now because I'm on the go and traveling, but I do have a couple of windows a little bit here. But yeah, ring lights can be really helpful. And that might be something you invest in over time. You don't have to have it all all to get started with. But just knowing that social media, when it comes to your art, is a visual medium. And so we just want to give your art the best chance of really being showcased the best, best it can. And then also the insights on Instagram, just thinking about the people that might not know how to access that. How would they do that? So you can actually see underneath each post you'll see a little blue piece of text that says view insights and you can see the information on each of your posts by doing that. So you can see how many likes, comments, shares to people that sent it to other people and also saves. And sometimes the saves is a really interesting one. It means someone saved it for later. And I want people to be encouraged that even if that post didn't get comments, they might notice, God, I had three people save it. That's an indication to you that people perhaps loved that piece of artwork. Perhaps they're thinking about, "Mm, that would be something I'd love to buy. So these little clues along the way. And then um, if you go, this one changes all the time, but to view the overall account insights, it's normally if you go to your own profile on Instagram, you click on the top right-hand corner, there's three lines. You click on that and then it'll either be settings and insights or just insights. And you tap in there. And again, what you can do in there changes all the time. But you'll be able to filter your content, if you go to the content part, in terms of, okay, do you want to see your reels and see what reels perform the best? Is it stories? Is it posts? What ones had the most engagement? 
You can also see insights on your audience as well in terms of demographics, where people live. So that's that's quite an interesting one too. And people might discover by doing that, wow, okay, 20% of your audience is international. Maybe that's something to think about when it comes to your your website or your currency that you use or your shipping. So pretty interesting. The other thing is true when it comes to that is always being open to experiment. So knowing it's okay if a post doesn't get the results you wanted, because it's always good to be trying and seeing, okay, if I experiment with this type of post, what's the response going to get? And so even though it might not be based on, okay, I know this is the type of content that performs the best typically on my account. You don't have to do that all the time. It's okay to just have fun too, and just share things because you want to and share things that you're like, I don't know how this is going to go, but let's just give it a go and see. It's almost like extending your creativity past your art practice and into the marketing space as well. Yes, exactly. All right. So we shall we wrap up by maybe sharing where people can find you, Emily, and maybe share a little bit about the Modern Marketing Collective as well? So you can come um, check out my podcast that you mentioned earlier, The Emily Osmond Show. I have a membership called The Modern Marketing Collective which really kind of gives you the strategy of the different things we've spoken about with your setting your goals and your priorities in your business, figuring out what your key message is, organizing your content, social media, email marketing. And we have a bit of a community there and different live sessions you can attend. And then also on my website, I have different resources and tools and recommended things that I use as well. So I'd head over to emilyosman.com and you can check that one out too. Beautiful. And we vouch for everything Emily's doing. Um, Laura's known her for a long time. I've been, you know, in your world as well, Emily, and just everything is just so gold. So just, I don't know, down to earth, realistic, and it works as well. So absolutely amazing. Highly recommended. What's your Instagram as well? Is that the best place? for people to follow you? Yeah, you can check that out. So Emily Osmond. And I'd love, like, would love if you listen, well, you are listening to this um, (laughs) because you're hearing this, but just let me know that you listen. Send me a message. Come say hi. Let me know what resonated or what you disagree with. That's okay too. But um, yeah, I'd love any messages. Come and come say hi. Absolutely beautiful. Thank you so much for your time today. And listeners, we hope you enjoyed this episode. If you would like to leave us a review, it would mean the world to us. So five stars for good karma on Spotify and a written review would be amazing on Apple Podcasts so that we can give you a shout out as well. So if you do give us a written review, make sure you include your Instagram handle so that we can promote you and get your account out there in front of everybody else as well. Thank you so much. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.